Section 10 of Gorgias by Plato. Translated by Benjamin Jowett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Johnson. Gorgias, I think, Socrates, that we should not go our ways until you have completed the argument, and this appears to me to be the wish of the rest of the company. I myself should very much like to hear what more you have to say. Socrates, I too, Gorgias, should have liked to continue the argument with Callicles, and then I might have given him an amphion in return for his zethus. But since you, Callicles, are unwilling to continue, I hope that you will listen, and interrupt me if I seem to you to be in error. And if you refute me, I shall not be angry with you as you are with me, but I shall inscribe you as the greatest of benefactors on the tablets of my soul. Callicles, my good fellow, never mind me, but get on. Socrates, listen to me then, while I recapitulate the argument. Is the pleasant the same as the good? Not the same. Callicles and I are agreed about that. And is the pleasant to be pursued for the sake of the good, or the good for the sake of the pleasant? The pleasant is to be pursued for the sake of the good, and that is pleasant at the presence of which we are pleased, and that is good at the presence of which we are good, to be sure, and we are good and all good things, whatever are good when some virtue is present in us or them. That, Callicles, is my conviction, but the virtue of each thing, whether body or soul, instrument or creature, when given to them, in the best way comes to them not by chance but as the result of the order and truth and art which are imparted to them am i not right i maintain that i am and is not the virtue of each thing dependent on order or arrangement yes i say and that which makes a thing good is the proper order inhering in each thing such is my view and is not the soul which has an order of her own better than that which has no order certainly and the soul which has order is orderly of course and that which is orderly is temperate assuredly and the temperate soul is good no other answer can i give callicles dear have you any callicles go on my good fellow socrates then i shall proceed to add that if the temperate soul is the good soul the soul which is in the opposite condition that is the foolish and intemperate is the bad soul very true and will not the temperate man do what is proper both in relation to the gods and to men for he would not be temperate if he did not certainly he will do what is proper in his relation to other men he will do what is just and in his relation to the gods he will do what is holy and he who does what is just and holy must be just and holy very true and must he not be courageous for the duty of a temperate man is not to follow or to avoid what he ought not but what he ought whether things or men or pleasures or pains and patiently to endure when he ought and therefore callicles the temperate man being as we have described also just and courageous and holy cannot be other than a perfectly good man nor can the good man do otherwise than well and perfectly whatever he does and he who does well must of necessity be happy and blessed 
and the evil man who does evil miserable now this latter is he whom you were applauding the intemperate who is the opposite of the temperate such is my position and these things i affirm to be true and if they are true then i further affirm that he who desires to be happy must pursue and practice temperance and run away from intemperance as fast as his legs will carry him he had better order his life so as not to need punishment but if either he or any of his friends whether private individual or city are in need of punishment then justice must be done and he must suffer punishment if he would be happy this appears to me to be the aim which a man ought to have and towards which he ought to direct all the energies both of himself and of the state acting so that he may have temperance and justice present with him and be happy not suffering his lusts to be unrestrained and in the never-ending desire satisfy them leading to a robber's life such a one is the friend neither of god nor man for he is incapable of communion and he who is incapable of communion is also incapable of friendship and philosophers tell us callicles that communion and friendship and orderliness and temperance and justice bind together heaven and earth and gods and men and that this universe is therefore called cosmos or order not disorder or misrule my friend but although you are a philosopher you seem to me never to have observed that geometrical equality is mighty both among gods and men you think that you ought to cultivate inequality or excess and do not care about geometry well then either the principle that the happy are made happy by the possession of justice and temperance and the miserable miserable by the possession of vice must be refuted or if it is granted what will be the consequences all the consequences which i drew before callicles and about which you asked me whether i was in earnest when i said that a man ought to accuse himself and his son and his friend if he did anything wrong and that to this end he should use his rhetoric all those consequences are true and that which you thought that paulus was led to admit out of modesty is true viz that to do injustice if more disgraceful than to suffer is in that degree worse and the other position which according to paulus gorgias admitted out of modesty that he who would truly be a rhetorician ought to be just and have a knowledge of justice has also turned out to be true and now these things being as we have said let us proceed in the next place to consider whether you are right in throwing in my teeth that i am unable to help myself or any of my friends or kinsmen or to save them in the extremity of danger and that i am in the power of another like an outlaw to whom any one may do what he likes he may box my ears which was a brave saying of yours or take away my goods or banish me or even do his worst and kill me a condition which as you say is the height of disgrace my answer to you is one which has been already often repeated but may as well be repeated once more i tell you callicles that to be boxed on the ears wrongfully is not the worst evil which can befall a man nor to have my purse or my body cut open but that to smite and slay me and mine wrongfully is far more disgraceful and more evil ay and to despoil and enslave and pillage or in any way at all 
to wrong me and mine is far more disgraceful and evil to the doer of the wrong than to me who am the sufferer these truths which have been already set forth as i state them in the previous discussion would seem now to have been fixed and riveted by us if i may use an expression which is certainly bold in words which are like bonds of iron and adamant and unless you or some other still more enterprising hero shall break them there is no possibility of denying what i say for my position has always been that i myself am ignorant how these things are but that i have never met any one who could say otherwise any more than you can and not appear ridiculous this is my position still and if what i am saying is true and injustice is the greatest of evils to the doer of injustice and yet there is if possible a greater than this greatest of evils parentheses compare republic end of parentheses in an unjust man not suffering retribution what is that defence of which the want will make a man truly ridiculous must not the defence be one which will avert the greatest of human evils and will not the worst of all defences be that with which a man is unable to defend himself or his family or his friends and next will come that which is unable to avert the next greatest evil thirdly that which is unable to avert the third greatest evil and so of other evils as is the greatness of evil so is the honour of being able to avert them in their several degrees and the disgrace of not being able to avert them am i not right callicles callicles yes quite right socrates seeing then that there are these two evils the doing injustice and the suffering injustice and we affirm that to do injustice is a greater and to suffer injustice a lesser evil by what devices can a man succeed in obtaining the two advantages the one of not doing and the other of not suffering injustice must he have the power or only the will to obtain them i mean to ask whether a man will escape injustice if he has only the will to escape or must he have provided himself with the power callicles he must have provided himself with the power that is clear socrates and what do you say of doing injustice is the will only sufficient and will that prevent him from doing injustice or must he have provided himself with power and art and if he have not studied and practised will he be unjust still surely you might say callicles whether you think that polus and i were right in admitting the conclusion that no one does wrong voluntarily but that all do wrong against their will callicles granted socrates if you will only have done socrates then as would appear power and art have to be provided in order that we may do no injustice callicles certainly socrates and what art will protect us from suffering injustice if not wholly yet as far as possible i want to know whether you agree with me for i think that such an art is the art of one who is either a ruler or even tyrant himself or the equal and companion of the ruling power callicles well said socrates and please to observe how ready i am to praise you when you talk sense socrates think and tell me whether you would approve of another view of mine to me every man appears to be most the friend of him who is most like him like to like as ancient sages say would you not agree to this 
Callicles, I should. Socrates, but when the tyrant is rude and uneducated, he may be expected to fear any one who is his superior in virtue, and will never be able to be perfectly friendly with him. Callicles, that is true. Socrates, neither will he be the friend of any one who is greatly his inferior, but the tyrant will despise him, and will never seriously regard him as a friend. Callicles, that again is true. Socrates, then the only friend worth mentioning whom the tyrant can have will be one who is of the same character, and has the same likes and dislikes, and is at the same time willing to be subject and subservient to him. He is the man who will have power in the state, and no one will injure him with impunity. Is not that so? Callicles, yes. Socrates, and if a young man begins to ask how he may become great and formidable, this would seem to be the way. He will accustom himself, from his youth upward, to feel sorrow and joy on the same occasions as his master, and will contrive to be as like him as possible. Callicles, yes. Socrates, and in this way he will have accomplished, as you and your friends would say, the end of becoming a great man and not suffering injury. Callicles, very true. Socrates, but will he also escape from doing injury? Must not the very opposite be true, if he is to be like the tyrant in his injustice, and to have influence with him? Will he not rather contrive to do as much wrong as possible, and not be punished? Callicles, true. Socrates, and by the imitation of his master, and by the power which he thus acquires, will not his soul become bad and corrupted? And will not this be the greatest evil to him? Callicles, you always contrive somehow or other, Socrates, to invert everything. Do you not know that he who imitates the tyrant will, if he has a mind, kill him who does not imitate him, and take away his goods? Socrates, Excellent, Callicles, I am not deaf, and I have heard that a great many times from you, and from Paulus, and from nearly every man in the city. But I wish that you would hear me, too. I dare say that he will kill him if he has a mind. The bad man will kill the good and true. Callicles, and is not that just the provoking thing? Socrates, nay, not to a man of sense, as the argument shows. Do you think that all our cares should be directed to prolonging life to the uttermost, and to the study of those arts which secure us from danger always, like the art of rhetoric, which saves men in courts of law, and which you advise me to cultivate? Callicles, yes, truly, and very good advice, too. Socrates, well, my friend, but what do you think of swimming? Is that an art of any great pretensions? Callicles, no indeed. Socrates, and yet surely swimming saves a man from death, and there are occasions on which he must know how to swim. And if you despise the swimmers, I will tell you of another and greater art, the art of the pilot, who not only saves the souls of men, but also their bodies and properties from the extremity of danger, just like rhetoric. Yet his art is modest and unpresuming. It has no airs or pretenses of doing anything extraordinary. 
and in return for the same salvation which is given by the pleader demands only two ovals if he brings us from aegina to athens or for the longer voyage from pontus or egypt at the utmost to drachmae when he has saved as i was just now saying the passenger and his wife and children and goods and safely disembarked them at the piraeus this is the payment which he asks in return for so great a boon and he who is the master of the art and has done all this gets out and walks about on the seashore by the ship in an unassuming way for he is able to reflect and is aware that he cannot tell which of his fellow passengers he has benefited and which of them he has injured in not allowing them to be drowned he knows that they are just the same when he has disembarked them as when they embarked and not a whit better either in their bodies or in their souls and he considers that if a man who is afflicted by great and incurable bodily diseases is only to be pitied for having escaped and is in no way benefited by him in having been saved from drowning much less he who has great and incurable diseases not of the body but of the soul which is the more valuable part of him neither is life worth having nor of any profit to the bad man whether he be delivered from the sea or the law courts or any other devourer and so he reflects that such a one had better not live for he cannot live well parentheses, compare republic end of parentheses. and this is the reason why the pilot although he is our saviour is not usually conceited any more than the engineer who is not at all behind either the general or the pilot or any one else in his saving power for he sometimes saves whole cities is there any comparison between him and the pleader and if he were to talk callicles in your grandiose style he would bury you under a mountain of words declaring and insisting that we ought all of us to be engine-makers and that no other profession is worth thinking about he would have plenty to say nevertheless you despise him and his art and sneeringly call him an engine-maker and you will not allow your daughters to marry his son or marry your son to his daughters and yet on your principle what justice or reason is there in your refusal what right have you to despise the engine-maker and the others whom i was just now mentioning i know that you will say i am better and better born but if the better is not what i say and virtue consists only in a man saving himself and his whatever may be his character then your censure of the engine-maker and of the physician and of the other arts of salvation is ridiculous o oh, my friend i want you to see that the noble and the good may possibly be something different from saving and being saved may not he who is truly a man cease to care about living a certain time he knows as women say that no man can escape fate and therefore he is not fond of life he leaves all that with god and considers in what way he can best spend his appointed term whether by assimilating himself to the constitution under which he lives as you at this moment have to consider how you may become as like as possible 
to the Athenian people, if you mean to be in their good graces, and to have power in the state. Whereas I want you to think and see whether this is for the interest of either of us. I would not have us risk that which is dearest on the acquisition of this power, like the Thessalian enchantresses, who, as they say, bring down the moon from heaven at the risk of their own perdition. But if you suppose that any man will show you the art of becoming great in the city, and yet not conforming yourself to the ways of the city, whether for the better or worse, then I can only say that you are mistaken, Callicles, for he would deserve to be the true natural friend of the Athenian Demus, I, or of Pyrilampe's darling, who is called after them, must be by nature like them, and not an imitator only. He then, who will make you most like them, will make you as you desire, a statesman and orator, for every man is pleased when he is spoken to in his own language and spirit, and dislikes any other. But perhaps you, sweet Callicles, may be of another mind. What do you say? Callicles, somehow or other, your words, Socrates, always appear to me to be good words, and yet, like the rest of the world, I am not quite convinced by them. Parentheses. Compare Symposium first Alcibiades, end of parentheses. Socrates, the reason is, Callicles, that the love of Demas which abides in your soul is an adversary to me, but I dare say that if we recur to these same matters and consider them more thoroughly, you may be convinced for all that. Please, then, to remember that there are two processes of training all things, including body and soul. In the one, as we said, we treat them with a view to pleasure, and in the other with a view to the highest good. And then we do not indulge, but resist them. Was not that the distinction which we drew? Callicles, very true. Socrates, and the one which had pleasure in view was just a vulgar flattery. Was not that another of our conclusions? Callicles, be it so, if you will have it. Socrates, and the other had in view the greatest improvement of that which was ministered to, whether body or soul. Callicles, quite true. Socrates, and must we not have the same end in view in the treatment of our city and citizens? Must we not try and make them as good as possible? For we have already discovered that there is no use in imparting to them any other good, unless the mind of those who are to have the good, whether money or office, or any other sort of power, be gentle and good, shall we say that? Callicles, yes, certainly, if you like. Socrates, well then, if you and I, Callicles, were intending to set about some public business, and were advising one another to undertake buildings, such as walls, docks, or temples of the largest size, ought we not to examine ourselves first, as to whether we know or do not know the art of building, and who taught us? Would not that be necessary, Callicles? Callicles, true. Socrates, in the second place, we should have to consider whether we had ever constructed any private house, either of our own or for our friends, and whether this building of ours was a success or not, 
and if upon consideration we found that we had had good and eminent masters and had been successful in constructing many fine buildings not only with their assistance but without them by our own unaided skill in that case prudence would not dissuade us from proceeding to the construction of public works but if we had no master to show and only a number of worthless buildings or none at all then surely it would be ridiculous in us to attempt public works or to advise one another to undertake them is not this true callicles certainly socrates and does not the same hold in all other cases if you and i were physicians and were advising one another that we were competent to practice as state physicians should i not ask about you and would you not ask about me well but how about socrates himself has he good health and was any one else ever known to be cured by him whether slave or freeman and i should make the same inquiries about you and if we arrived at the conclusion that no one whether citizen or stranger man or woman had ever been any the better for the medical skill of either of us then by heaven callicles what an absurdity to think that we or any human being should be so silly as to set up as state physicians and advise others like ourselves to do the same without having first practised in private whether successfully or not and acquired experience of the art is not this as they say to begin with the big jar when you are learning the potter's art which is a foolish thing callicles true socrates and now my friend as you are already beginning to be a public character and are admonishing and reproaching me for not being one suppose that we ask a few questions of one another tell me then callicles how about making any of the citizens better was there ever a man who was once vicious or unjust or intemperate or foolish and became by the help of callicles good and noble was there ever such a man whether citizen or stranger slave or free man tell me callicles if a person were to ask these questions of you what would you answer whom would you say that you had improved by your conversation there may have been good deeds of this sort which were done by you as a private person before you came forward in public why will you not answer callicles you are contentious socrates socrates nay i ask you not from a love of contention but because i really want to know in what way you think that affairs should be administered among us whether when you come to the administration of them you have any other aim but the improvement of the citizens have we not already admitted many times over that such is the duty of a public man nay we have surely said so for if you will not answer for yourself i must answer for you but if this is what the good man ought to effect for the benefit of his own state allow me to recall to you the names of those whom you were just now mentioning pericles and cimon and miltiades and themistocles and ask whether you still think that they were good citizens callicles i do socrates but if they were good then clearly each of them must have made the citizens better instead of worse callicles yes socrates and therefore 
when pericles first began to speak in the assembly the athenians were not so good as when he spoke last callicles very likely socrates nay my friend likely is not the word for if he was a good citizen the inference is certain callicles and what difference does that make socrates none only i should like further to know whether the athenians are supposed to have been made better by pericles or on the contrary to have been corrupted by him for i hear that he was the first to give the people pay and made them idle and cowardly and encouraged them in the love of talk and money callicles you heard that socrates from the laconizing set who bruised their ears socrates but what am i going to tell you now is not mere hearsay but well known both to you and me that at first pericles was glorious and his character unimpeached by any verdict of the athenians this was during the time when they were not so good yet afterwards when they had been made good and gentle by him at the very end of his life they convicted him of theft and almost put him to death clearly under the notion that he was a malefactor callicles well but how does that prove pericles badness socrates why surely you would say that he was a bad manager of asses or horses or oxen who had received them originally neither kicking nor butting nor biting him and implanted in them all these savage tricks would he not be a bad manager of any animals who received them gentle and made them fiercer than they were when he received them what do you say callicles i will do you the favour of saying yes socrates and will you also do me the favour of saying whether man is an animal callicles certainly he is socrates and was not pericles a shepherd of men callicles yes socrates and if he was a good political shepherd ought not the animals who were his subjects as we were just now acknowledging to have become more just and not more unjust callicles quite true socrates and are not just men gentle as homer says or are you of another mind callicles i agree socrates and yet he really did make them more savage than he received them and their savageness was shown towards himself which he must have been very far from desiring callicles do you want me to agree with you socrates yes if i seem to you to speak the truth callicles granted then socrates and if they were more savage must they not have been more unjust and inferior callicles granted again socrates then upon this view pericles was not a good statesman callicles that is upon your view socrates nay the view is yours after what you have admitted take the case of cimon again did not the very persons whom he was serving ostracize him in order that they might not hear his voice for ten years and they did just the same to themistocles adding the penalty of exile and they voted that miltiades the hero of marathon should be thrown into the pit of death and he was only saved by the Pritanus. and yet if they had been really good men as you say 
these things would never have happened to them for the good charioteers are not those who at first keep their place and then when they have broken in their horses and themselves become better charioteers are thrown out that is not the way either in charioteering or in any profession what do you think callicles i should think not socrates well but if so the truth is as i have said already that in the athenian state no one has ever shown himself to be a good statesman you admitted that this was true of our present statesmen but not true of former ones and you preferred them to the others yet they have turned out to be no better than our present ones and therefore if they were rhetoricians they did not use the true art of rhetoric or of flattery or they would not have fallen out of favour callicles but surely socrates no living man ever came near any one of them in his performances end of part ten recording by kevin johnson